Hi everyone, I'm Cheryl Rose, and you're listening to Maybe, a podcast about the often messy reality of working for social innovation. These are stories about uncertainty and risk, about holding really big questions even when you don't know the answers, having honest conversations, and trying to think and act in very new ways. My own work has been all about supporting people who engage with that kind of complexity, people with a passion for big change. And if you're really serious about changing the world, then you know that kind of change requires new thinking and acting, but also new ways of being. We need to really show up to lead in these kinds of spaces, be consciously self-aware, be intentionally courageous, be deeply empathetic, And what if we also need to be more loving? More and more, I'm hearing the case being made by all kinds of voices from all kinds of places for love to be central to change work. Yet, as soon as I say that, I imagine many immediately asking, why? Why love? I always try to ask myself, what would love do? And I think I got many of my teachings about this by Dr. Cynthia Wesley Eskimo. And she said when she's talking about the impacts of colonization, especially that to Indian residential schools, she says, we already know what hate would do. So what would it look like if we led from a place of love and we asked ourselves, what would love do? That's Alexia McKinnon, the Associate Director of Indigenous Leadership Programs at BAMP Centre. She works with others on the design and delivery of leadership education programs, one of which is the outstanding Truth and Reconciliation Through Right Relations Program. Alexia is committed to embodying her own understanding of love in her leadership for reconciliation at BAMP Centre and beyond. And I wanted to know more about how this has come to be so important to the way that she works. So last time I was in Banff, we sat down together to talk about her journey exploring the power of love to be a catalyst for change. Lexi, it's so great to be back in Banff on this beautiful sunny day. I really wanted to talk with you about the topic of love, your perspective, experience, and thinking on this. Um, But to begin, would you like to just um, introduce yourself a little bit, and then I would like to hear a little bit about your story. So I'm a mom, first and foremost. I have two beautiful little girls. Uh, I'm a wife and I'm a daughter. And I also work here at Banff Centre for Arts and Creativity. And I design and curate Indigenous learning experiences uh, for Indigenous leaders around the country. I'm so grateful to be the daughter of Ken and Judy McKinnon, and uh, I was born and raised in the Yukon, and I'm a member of the Champagne and Asiac First Nations. I once heard you say, just to jump right into it, I once heard you say, I often ask myself in my work, and I imagine also in your life, but in your professional work, I ask myself, what would love do? And I know that a lot of your work is around making reconciliation real, mm-hmm. um, moving on action on the recommendations from the TRC, um, that you work a lot with Indigenous leaders, but also with non-Indigenous people who want to build better relationships with Indigenous peoples, nations, and communities. But that sentence, that statement that you made, I ask myself, what would love do? What did you mean by that? 
Uh, it's just been a recent exploration of work and statements that I've been really trying to live into. And so I would say most recently I was exposed to the real, what I feel to be the real concept of love only about six years ago. And it was when I started working here at the Bounce Center. And it was Elder Tom Crane Bear, who just so freely and openly to a person he had just met and he would just say, I love you. And I remember how uncomfortable I was when I first heard that. And then so I really started listening and paying attention to what maybe I was being asked to explore. And that was to explore what the concept of love meant to me. And I think this is a long journey, but I think one of them is I am Indigenous. I'm an Indigenous woman, and uh, I wasn't raised from a concept of talking about what love is. I always had anger for my mom because I felt how hard it was to never be told growing up that I love you, to not have that intimate connection of touch between mother and daughter. And I always questioned. Um, why this why didn't I have that relationship with my mom and it was only through learning about Indian residential schools and the traumas that were affected through some of those schools that I came to understand how my mom learned to show love in the ways that she knew how and once I became comfortable in that realization, my entire relationship with my mom changed. I started seeing the resiliency and her strength as the true acts of what love is. It's so truly beautiful to listen to you, Lexi, talk about how you have held this lens and this important family relationship that you have with your mother are you able yet to use this lens in your work? Um, and can you talk a little bit about that? Do you bring that lens to your work and what is that like? How is it different than if you don't? So it's actually been very instrumental in the way that I guide uh, the work that we do. So another one of the teachings uh, that happened in my next phase of evolution was from Dr. John Burroughs. And he really challenged me to think larger into what an Indigenous way of being could be as you implemented that into your work structure and your organizations and the programs that you delivered. And so he reframed the way that I looked at the world through the sacred teachings, the seven sacred teachings, and one of them being love. And so the way that he explained it to me and how I have come to walk into my exploration of what love is, is he shared from his teachings that the Anishinaabe word for love is derived from the same word of the land of the mouth of the river. And so he shared that love in Anishinaabe is the same as that open river, the estuary 
where the, all the source of life is, and it's the greatest biodiversity. And so in reframing what love is in relationship to the land and through languages, I have now come to step into the guidance that I believe love is the source from which all life comes from. And so from that teaching, I enter into a new relationship about what I think love is. I no longer think of it as a transactional relationship, that it is really now a transformational relationship. And so we implemented the sacred teachings as a way that we show up. So our very first value is as we show up to work, we show up from a place of love. And so what greater thing, I get to come to work and I'm asked to show up from a place of love. And that really reframes how I interact with our faculty, with our participants, with our land, with our neighbors, with conflict. And so that was a lot of the work that I do here at BAMP Center. And I think it was being truly open to another realm of possibility of how to be in relationship to the world. I listened to Alexia and I'm inspired by her intentional, loving approach. It's been influenced by many Indigenous cultural teachers and in turn, Alexia has influenced many others. One of these people is Cheryl Haykoop. She's an associate professor at an academic institution. Cheryl's a researcher and a teacher on the topic of leadership for social innovation, and she's an admirer of Alexia and her work. But she also draws from a long line of scholars and educators, and they too place an emphasis on the critical connection between love and leadership. Even though Cheryl works within the very intellectual space of a university, She's taking a chance and actively sharing her views on loving leadership in her classroom and out in communities. So I'm really glad that we get a little bit of time to talk together. Um, I remember last fall you saying to me, you said that you work at a university and you had a chance to apply for a position in a leadership program and you decided to take a gamble and speak from your heart and talk about what you thought was true about the connection between the leadership that's needed in the world today and love. And I was so struck by that. So I wanted to ask you, where did this sense that that was true, where did that come from? Yeah, thank you for that question. Because I think in the context of academia, we don't talk about love. It is like a taboo word. And yet I think we embody love all the time in the way that we approach the work that we do. We have this love for learning. We really care about our students, about our colleagues. Um, I think about this place where I work and there's this deep love for the land. I mean, all of those things are ingrained and embedded in the work that we do, but we don't talk about the word. So that, that really resonated with me. And I also was at a point in my life where I was really committed to this notion of alignment, because I don't want to show up in a, a disconnected way. It's like I want to be able to bring my whole self, and that includes showing up from a place of love. How do you see it connecting to leadership, and in what ways would it be different? 
you know, I look and draw to so many scholars when they talk about actually the importance of love. So it's been interesting that it's been something that's actually been there for such a long time. However, we don't necessarily talk about the word. Um, I mean, even Paulo Freire talks about that love is the foundation of dialogue and praxis and action. It's the foundation for the work that we do. Or if we look at Bell Hooks, she talks about how love is required to foster equality and justice. Or Monique Gray Smith talks about how love is essential for reconciliation. So we're hearing all the time that love is important in the work that we do and how we show up. And for me, that means many things. So actually in my interview, I talked about love being an acronym for learning, orientation, vulnerability, and engagement. Mm -hmm. But there's a recognition that it means different things to different people. But how do we embrace and bring the language forward? Because in not talking about it, we're doing a disservice to our connection, to our ability to relate to one another, to relate to ourselves, and to step in and be the leaders that, that we inherently are. So much of our world is rooted in this, this conflict or combat. And yet, what if we let that go and actually just embraced caring for each other? What would that be? but it requires us to, to love the process and to love the questions. And, and it doesn't mean it's easy. And yet I think it's, it's the only way forward. Yeah. Can you say something more about that? Why might it be the only way forward? It's interesting. I say the only way forward. And there are multiple ways forward. But I think it's the best way forward because love calls on us to bring our whole selves and to engage from that place. And it's not about compartmentalizing and being, okay, I'm in work mode right now, or I'm in my family mode right now, but it's actually about bringing your whole self to everything that we do and to meeting people where they're at from a place of love rather than judgment or critique or shame. It's like, how do we actually start from a place of basic human goodness? And what does that look like? And how do we start from that place? And that's hard. It is. It's not easy to see a lot of basic human goodness. I don't know if that's true. I'm saying that and then I think, is that really true? You know, we're kind of bombarded with these images and stories and accounts of, well, in lots of ways, some of the worst of what human beings are capable of. And it's not that those things are not true. Mm-hmm. So it's a challenge to, to somehow try to see past that and still feel like you're honest and you're upholding your values. And, mm-hmm. But it's, um, it calls on us to be so incredibly grown up. Mm-hmm. It totally does. Do you think maybe it might be hard, but what other choice do we have? Exactly. What other choice do we have? And interestingly, I just looked at my desk and you know the words of Richard Wagamese are there and there's this lovely interaction between he and um, an an old woman, and he says, tell me about love. And she says, it's our only real choice, the only thing we can truly give. And he says, how do we do that? It's choosing it above all else. It's about leading me back to the highest possible version of myself. It's me leading you back to who you were created to be. It's the most important choice we can make for each other. And he says, those closest to us, you mean? 
And she says, no, everyone, everything, widening our circle at every opportunity. And he says, that sounds hard. And she says, so is being born, but we all do it. Yes, it's hard. It's really hard. Cheryl and I talked for quite some time about why it's so difficult, how hard it is to be vulnerable enough to truly act from a place of love. I mean, to even say the word love out loud in our workplaces, it's a risk, a risk to our reputations, a serious risk to how seriously we're going to be taken. And then there are other kinds of risk too. And I thought of someone who could really add to this conversation, especially his thoughts on what's the risk of forgetting that we can't assume that everyone is willing or able to lead with love. Alexander Dirksen is a member of the Métis Nation and a program manager at an organization called CKX. He and his colleagues support change leaders to ask big questions, reflect deeply on their experiences, and act in collaboration for a meaningful social impact. I know Alexander because I'm a CKX board member, and I know that he has his own views on the privilege of being able to lead with love, and also how love is connected to accountability. Can you describe, you know, what it looks like? Like what is encompassed in leading from love or leading with love? What does that look like in terms of what a person's thinking about, how they act, how they show up in the world? What would you say about that? Well, I would, I would bring some James Baldwin into the conversation. Uh, and James Baldwin, this beautiful quote that he has, which is, I use the word love not merely in the personal sense, but as a state of being or a state of grace, not in the infantile American sense of being made happy, but in the tough and universal sense of quest and daring and growth. Why is this the kind of leadership that the world is calling for in these times? I think the world that we're in right now is demanding that we rise up to be the best versions of ourselves in a way that I don't think we've been called to in a very long time. Uh, at the same time, um, there's a, a need as we step up in that way to feel as though we, we have uh, support, we have wind in our sails, we have people that have our backs. Uh, and, and so for me, there's the only way uh, in which I can see us navigating the space that we're in is in a way in which we can not only support each other and lift each other up, but then also continue to push each other to rise to the occasion that we're at. And, and for me, that is where, that is where I see the importance of this type of leadership style in, in being in the type of deep relationship with each other where both can happen, where you can, be there for support you can you can encourage each other you can um, just be that support that is needed but at the same time uh, we'll make sure that we don't waver because i think in light of the challenges that we're facing it is very easy to opt out it is very easy to take a step back from the complexity of the world that we're in and the challenges we're facing and so in the absence of those deep relationships that will hold you to account and will make sure you, you remain committed. Um, I feel like we won't get to where we need to go in time. 
I've also heard you say that it's a privilege to lead with love. And I wonder what you meant by that. So I guess for me, there's, there's two parts to that statement that I think need to be unpacked. I think the first is leading. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is we are operating on an assumption that we are leaders, that we can be leaders. And I think even in that itself, there is a degree of privilege because I see leaders that look like me, that have had similar trajectories and lived experiences as me. So I can relate to that. I can connect to that. I can see myself being in that space. There's a lot of people that don't have that luxury or that the, the world is not such that they see others like them being reflected in positions of leadership. Uh, and then there's the, the aspect of love. And I think whether it is uh, loving someone uh, in, a, on a, in a personal way or whether it's leading with love, there is something that is required of that. And, you know, love, in order to love fully, you need to be, uh, you need to be vulnerable. You need to open yourself up to the possibility of love, which comes with the possibility of getting burned. Um, but to be vulnerable, to open yourself up in that way, also requires a degree of feeling safe and secure and feeling that you're in a position where you're able to open yourself up and be vulnerable. And again, if for myself, I look at my lived experiences, my trajectory, and my life is one where all things considered relative to many, uh, the world has treated me quite well. And I am now in a position where, whether it be class or gender or whatever it might be, I feel safe and secure, largely. Uh, and therefore, I am in a position where I can lead with love. So, there's more to love and leadership than first meets the eye, or the mind, or the heart. But isn't that always true about love? To state the obvious, it's very complex. But listen, we know messy, complex problems need messy, complex approaches to change them. So maybe love is one of those kinds of approaches. And I understand it's not possible for everyone. It's not easy, not simple, not always understood. Sometimes love is not trusted. Too often love is not even considered. But when all is said and done, here's the thing, stated right at the beginning of this show that convinces me to try leading with love. I just can't forget what Alexia said about the fact that over and over again, we've tried hate and we know the pain and damage that causes. So maybe it's time now for the timeless lessons of love to teach us and remind us, to challenge us to be our very best selves and to help people, communities and whole systems to heal. I'm so very grateful to all my guests on this episode, Alexia McKinnon, Cheryl Haycoop, and Alexander Dirksen. Thank you for sharing your stories about leading from a place of love, what that means, and why that might be so very meaningful in these times in this world. Thank you to the talented technician Esther Gad for all of her post-production support, and to Molly Siegel, our podcast coach and mentor. The Getting to Maybe Social Innovation Residency at the BAMP Centre and all the people who've been involved in it are the inspiration for this podcast series. 
Alexia McKinnon and Cheryl Haycoop are both past participants in the program. I want to acknowledge that Banff is located on Treaty 7 territory, the traditional lands of the Blackfoot, Stony Nakoda and Sutina First Nations. Please join me again next time for another story about the complexities of working for social innovation. Another story about getting a little bit closer to maybe. <laughs>